Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're once again talking about antitrust law enforcement in the United States and the Federal Trade Commission, or FTC. Now, instead of talking about the FTC and Microsoft Times Activision, which we've been focused on here in Virtual Legality, today we're actually going to be talking about the somewhat forgotten deal that also happened earlier this year. Sony purchasing Bungie for just under $4 billion. And the headlines that came out yesterday that I find a little bit hyperbolic, as I often do in video games, journalism, and reporting. On your screen right now is a tweet from an individual named Josh Cisco at Joshua underscore Cisco that says, Scoop! Video game controller emoji. Spy emoji. The FTC is diving deeper into the video game industry. So that's a broad proclamation itself. Opening a probe of Sony's $3.6 billion deal for Bungie, the studio behind first-person shooter Destiny, or more specifically Destiny 2. It follows the in-depth investigation of Microsoft's $69 billion deal for Activision Blizzard. It does indeed follow it, and that's a part of the story, but also suggesting that the FTC is doing some kind of gaming probe, that there's some kind of investigation happening solely because of gaming consolidation is quite a bit inaccurate and unfortunately results in headlines like you see at IGN. FTC probing Sony's Bungie acquisition as gaming merger oversight gets more aggressive. A rise in gaming acquisitions has coincided with a crackdown on tech mergers, which is all a very dramatic way of talking about a process that is honestly very, very normal. The information says the following, The Federal Trade Commission has opened an in-depth investigation of Sony's proposed $3.6 billion takeover of Bungie, the gaming studio behind Destiny and Halo, according to people familiar with the matter. Anonymously sourced, have to take it with a grain of salt, but there's really no reason to lie about these kinds of things. While the FTC may not be able to block the deal, its decision to review it is the latest example of how aggressive the agency is becoming in reviewing mergers. And again, I say yes and no. We're going to talk about it in this video. IGN gives us a little bit more. Uh, summarizing here, they say, according to sources, speaking with the information, last week the FTC began seeking more information. We're going to talk about that timing as somewhat odd as part of the video as well. And the summary here from IGN is that the FTC is reportedly focused on concerns that Sony might be motivated to prevent competing companies and services such as Xbox from accessing Bungie's games such as Destiny 2. And I have to say, I laughed when I read this line. Now, we do know the FTC is being more aggressive. We will talk about that in this video. But just reading it with my understanding of antitrust, knowing precedent as I do, consumer welfare standards, competition, everything else, the notion that Sony buying one game away could be anti-competitive to what is a competitive industry with, as here noted, Xbox having a strong position as well as Nintendo is honestly baffling, which also goes to suggest that this isn't necessarily part of a large crackdown, but instead is in connection with Microsoft and Activision's much larger purchase, right? When you're talking about $70 billion, I said in the video that I talked about the initial press release in that it was almost a guarantee that we were going through significant regulatory review on this, a guarantee that was backed up by the press release that Microsoft and Activision put out that said, we're going to finish this sometime next year. In all likelihood, that's giving space for the FTC or the Department of Justice to review their deal. We didn't get a similar timing framework in the Sony Bungie announcement because it was unclear whether anybody would step in. But once the FTC is looking at Microsoft and Activision and you have another deal that is above a billion dollars in that same month, 
yeah, it always became super likely that the Federal Trade Commission was going to take a second review of the information. So I said, Opens probe, which is the language, remember, used in the tweet about this, maybe the most disingenuous and misleading way of describing a second request Clayton Act HSR review I've yet seen. We'll talk about those laws in just a second because this is how it got reported out. Probe to me, and maybe you disagree, leave it in the comments to this video, suggests some kind of criminal interaction, something that has gone seriously wrong. When a second request under Hart Scott Rodino, where the FTC gets a chance to go and ask for additional information, isn't the same kind of thing. It's entirely normal. It's within the framework of the statute itself. Now, when Microsoft announced their deal, as I said, it was patently obvious to everyone that a deal that was effectively seven times bigger than the biggest deal in an entire industry that is going to capture all of these developers, all of this publishing, all of this intellectual property, all of these companies was going to be reviewed to see if it was anti-competitive. That was a known quantity. It was also a known quantity that once that's sitting at the FTC and then Sony says, hey, how about $4 billion for us? It wasn't going to get the same treatment that maybe the Microsoft and ZeniMax deal got before all of this kind of accelerated with the massive size of the Activision acquisition, right? So I say opening a probe equals an entirely normal second request for information for a multi-billion dollar transaction. And that this was practically a guarantee with all the consolidation happening. Now, I'm fully willing to admit that you could say, hey, that means it's a crackdown that's going after gaming and tech because of these mergers and they're being more aggressive. But it's a very, very hyperbolic way of describing this particular situation. And the author of this article, not to me, but actually in these tweets to someone else that linked my comments, says it's not normal. All deals over a certain size are reviewed by the DOJ or FTC, but only a small percentage are escalated into an extended in-depth review, which is the case here. And now we start to have debates about what is normal, but I'm going to talk to you in this video about why I think you shouldn't panic about this deal and that it seems entirely normal to me. I've already told you a little bit about it, which is to suggest that once Microsoft is sitting at the FTC, these other deals at that size coming in were always likely to also get reviewed if in the interests of looking fair by that regulatory agency and nothing else. Right, if we're reviewing Microsoft's big deal and this is a multi-billion dollar acquisition, we should probably review Sony's as well and get information on the entirety of the market to help us evaluate the Microsoft deal or vice versa. So you have a regulatory agency that has expressed in public that it wants to be more aggressive, that the Biden administration has told to be more aggressive, that every indication is that at minimum they want to rattle their sabers. We haven't quite gotten far enough in this new regime to say whether or not they're gonna do lawsuits and everything, but we do know that they want to represent that they could, and now here we are. Why is probe a bad language? Well, we could see it in another pretty obvious, likely second review scenario, and that's Elon Musk, another popular figure here in virtual legality. Musk faces FTC antitrust review on Twitter alongside stock probe. And this is from the Denver Gazette. I think Bloomberg also reported it very similarly. Yes, you see the byline for Bloomberg News here. And the basics of this are he's going to face normal FTC review. He hasn't gotten to a second review stage just yet. So we don't know whether it'll extend into that area. I think Elon Musk hopes that it doesn't, of course, because it slows down transactions. Uh, but he's just going under an ordinary statutory review for now. And then when we talk about a probe, we get a sentence like the FTC is separately probing whether Musk should have notified the agencies when he acquired a 9% stake in the company in March. It's a probe about a wrongful act that could be illegal under SEC regulations. 
right? That could be illegal. <laughs> Here, we're talking about a normal review process as to we think this deal should be modified or we think this deal shouldn't go through because X, Y, and Z. It's not actually some kind of criminal or other regulatory probe. So Elon Musk, now you know, likely to have a review process go through. I think it's actually decently likely he'll have to go through a second review process. Uh, and that's why I consider probe to be a little bit disingenuous as a description for this particular deal. The other reason, of course, is because the normalcy of the process, right? We've been here before, but we see for most transactions requiring a filing, everything over $100 million or so has to be filed with these agencies. Both buyer and seller file forms and provide data about the industry and their own businesses. Once the filing is complete, the parties wait 30 days or until the agencies grant early termination of the waiting period before they can consummate the deal. And then it could get escalated to clearance at one agency, which is really going to focus on an investigation. Then within that 30-day period, they might ask for this second request for information. It's all labeled here. This is the normal process that you go through under Hart Scott Rodino to get a deal reviewed by the FTC or the DOJ. Now, things get a little bit more complicated, as we see in the fall of last year, where the FTC is putting out blog posts like this one, making the second request process both more streamlined and more rigorous during this unprecedented merger wave that the FTC is representing to everybody that it wants to look at more stuff. Mergers and acquisitions have hit an all-time high. Mergers filed with the antitrust agencies have doubled from 2010 to 2020 to nearly 2,000 deals a year. This merger wave, which includes anti-competitive transactions that should have never been contemplated, has taxed federal antitrust agencies. President Biden's executive order on competition also recently noted that decades of industry consolidation have often led to excessive market concentration, which has contributed to a host of downstream harms. We've talked about that line from his executive order uh, before, but that's the world in which the FTC is operating. And then things get a little worse for anybody making mergers and acquisitions decisions from the tail end of last year through this 2022, because the FTC goes out and basically says, 30 days? Well, here's a report from the National Law Review on October 4th of last year. Citing a shortage of resources to respond to a tidal wave of merger filings, the Federal Trade Commission has begun sending letters, called warning letters, to the parties to many mergers and acquisitions that it has not completed its antitrust investigation of the transaction during the waiting period under the Hart Scott Rodino Antitrust Improvements Act. Further, the FTC has declared that it will continue that investigation after the expiration of the waiting period and that if the parties close the transaction before the FTC completes its investigation, they do so at their own risk. So everything I just told you about this timing, hey, we only have 30 days to do this, it's not real. The statute says 30 days. The statute says, hey, this is the time period in which you have to approve this. But as I said before, these agencies aren't actually approving deals. They're just letting them go through. So here the FTC sends a letter out towards the end of the 30-day period. says, hey, we're not done yet. Move at your own risk. And most deals are not going to move forward. That's why, and a number of people asked me this, you see, hey, that was announced like right at the start of this year. How is it May? that they are now getting a second review request. And the answer is this. The answer is the FTC took a long time to decide whether they were gonna ask for this information because they were evaluating things. It also suggests to me, and this is pure speculation, that they maybe weren't gonna pull the trigger on this second review request because, as I said, reading the IGN article, much of their understanding, at least as summarized in the information in IGN, wouldn't suggest an antitrust issue here, right? that buying a single game developer to have a game on your system is not any different than even getting a, a temporary exclusive, certainly doesn't suggest anything anti-competitive to me. 
and in fact suggests a robust competitive environment where different sides are gathering different bits of content. Now you might say, hey, that's the same at Microsoft. And I don't necessarily disagree, but Microsoft obviously bought a lot more, a lot faster, and that tends to get the regulators more interested in what they're doing. So that's the timing issue. That's why we can't rely on the 30 days. And now we can discuss the normalcy of all this and why the author of this particular article, while being technically correct, uh, correct which is often the best form of being correct, isn't actually being terribly helpful when he responds on Twitter and says, oh, this isn't normal. This is very limited because of the environment that we're currently in. So fortunately, we get a report on this. On November 8th, 2021, the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice's Antitrust Division released the 43rd Hart Scott Rodino Annual Report. And Hart Scott Rodino, HSR, is the statute under which the FTC reviews these things pursuant to a different act called the Clayton Act, which I will also be talking about as part of this video. Now, they do note, as they look at this particular report, it is important to note that this report does not reflect developments during the Biden administration, which has made enhanced antitrust enforcement a high priority and has appointed a number of strongly pro-enforcement personnel to leadership of the antitrust agencies. We will have to wait for next year to get a complete picture of the pace and scope of change caused by the new administration. And this is a law firm. You can look at this summary. I will, of course, link it in the description to this video, but we can look at the report itself. Hart Scott Rodino annual report, fiscal year 2020. Very nice cover page. We got the logos from the FTC and the Department of Justice. And here is what the author means by this isn't normal. This is only happens in a very small percentage of transactions. It's a chart that looks like this. Percentage of transactions resulting in second requests, fiscal years 2011 to 2020. And you can see here 3%, right? You can see 3% of transactions result in a second request. But as we've heard before, statistics can be, uh, let's call them misleading, right? So of the deals that get submitted to these agencies, only 3% go through this process, but a little granularity helps us understand what's actually happening here, right? So we can look at a table in this report. Uh, this is page 28, if you're following along at home, and it says acquisitions by size of transaction, and it gives us some information. We see the size of the transaction. We see the number of reports that go into these agencies then we can see when clearance is granted to one of the agencies, which essentially is a half escalation step to a possible second request. And then we see what second requests were actually issued. And here's how you get two interesting numbers, right? So the number itself, when we look at deals that are over a billion dollars, is actually still pretty low. Like if it comes to the FTC, it's 2.1%. And if it comes to the DOJ, it's 4.3%. Now, in terms of the current market, I think this is actually not a terribly useful cutoff point, right? Over a bill, over a thousand million or a billion dollar transactions are becoming bigger and bigger and more often happening in the marketplace itself. So 234 in this category, maybe not super useful when we're comparing a $3.6 billion transaction in Sony and Bungie to a $1 billion transaction in a different industry to an almost $70 billion transaction from Microsoft and Activision. And I say that because if we watch these numbers go up, you can see that there's significant increases in the amount of times that there is a second request, right? You start at zero because these folks don't even have to file. So these are voluntary filers that are just looking for a guarantee that there isn't a problem. Then it goes up to 1.2, 1.9, 2.6, 2.4, 3.8. And by the time you're over $1 billion, you're at 6.4%. Now, even that number is probably understating what's actually happening here, which we can see when we look at the column in its entirety, right? So 234 deals come in that are valued at over a billion dollars. 234 deals come in, 
but only about 20% of them ever get escalated. There are deals that are so obviously in robust markets that the FTC and the DOJ doesn't have to even waste its time, right? If there's 30 competitors in a market and somebody buys somebody else, and now there's 29, really no worries there. It never needs to get escalated. And that's totally fine. But it also means that this number down here that says, oh, it's only this percentage of this is kind of messing around with your expectations. By the time you get here, and basically all the gaming deals that are north of a billion dollars wind up in the clearance granted stage that we have seen at least, right? We don't, we're not in behind closed doors at the FTC or anything like that, but we get inklings that the FTC is looking at them, right? Elon Musk just got clearance granted, it sounded like from the Bloomberg reporting. FTC is now looking at his deal, so he's in this column. And if you look at only this column, then you get a different understanding of what's happening, right? FTC is looking at your deal, 27 of them over this period of time. And out of those, they issued a second request in five. So doing some lawyer math, as we like to do here, 27 will reduce to 25, sorry, 25. Five of them get second requests. We got about a 20% shot once you get to that level of actually getting a second request. And because we can look at this, we know that that number goes up, 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 when you have more and more dollars at stake. Because realistically, that's representing a bigger potential threat to competition because you are consolidating a bigger chunk of whatever market you're talking about as that dollar amount goes up. So when he says it's not quote unquote normal, I'm gonna grant him that technically, right? That most deals go through just fine. We knew this about this even every other time we've talked about it here in virtual legality. But when they start to get actually looked at, which video games are, then you get second requests at a pretty decent clip. And when you have a deal right on the heels of a absolute industry changing size deal in Microsoft Times Activision, it was always pretty much guaranteed that the Sony Bungie deal was going to get reviewed in the interest of comedy, in the interest of fairness, in the interest of collecting information about the market. And so I just don't want to see headlines and outlets and everyone else assume that this is some kind of big sea change or to panic about it, right? Because at the end of the day, the FTC still has to find a significant problem with competition to do anything, right? This is the Clayton Act. This is what they're actually empowered to be reviewing in an HSR review. No person engaged in commerce shall acquire the whole or any part of the stock or other share capital of another person engaged in commerce where the effect of such acquisition may be substantially to lessen competition or to tend to create a monopoly. Does anyone think that Sony buying Bungie creates a monopoly? No? Great. Does anybody think that Sony buying Bungie, quote unquote, substantially lessens competition? Now there you might be able to say that reasonable minds can differ, but I will tell you this, if the FTC moves to block Sony buying Bungie, we got real problems in Microsoft and Activision land. And I think Microsoft and Activision is still likely to go through. Sony and Bungie has almost no chance in my mind of getting overturned by the FTC or any other regula uh, regulating body. There really isn't a chance of that at all. I think that this is the FTC saber rattling a little bit, going along with being more aggressive. This is technically tech companies, Sony and Bungie, but realistically all in the shadow of Microsoft and Activision. So when I look at language like this, diving deeper into the video game industry, not technically wrong, but sounds more impressive than it actually is. Opening a probe, I guess not technically wrong, but when you're following the statutory criteria in a manner that I predicted a thousand times in virtual legality and no one should be panicked about, 
I find that kind of nomenclature also hyperbolic and problematic when you're talking to lay people that are going to read this stuff and get concerned about those deals. I understand clickbait. I understand getting people to read your stuff. But yes, this is a normal process, second request. There's a reason there is blogging about what a second request looks like. There's a model form of second request. This is quote unquote normal operating procedure. Even if at a 30,000 foot level, you can say, well, they only do 3%. That's right, because most deals don't even warrant any kind of review because it's so patently obvious. Here, the FTC is getting more aggressive, I will grant, but probably not in any manner that people really need to stay awake at night about. If you enjoyed this episode of Virtual Legality, please consider supporting the channel. We're talking about business and law, technology, pop culture, software, video games, and more virtually every day at, at this point. We've got a Utreon where you can support us. We've got a Patreon where you can support us. Or just subscribing, telling your friends, ringing the bell, getting engaged. And if you didn't notice, we've got a big announcement here in Virtual Legality. We're over 75,000 subscribers, which I can barely believe. So thank you to everyone that has checked out this channel. Thank you to everyone that has subscribed and found this to be a useful, entertaining, informational place to spend your limited time on this earth with me here in YouTube. And if you did watch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.